everybody, and welcome to episode number 44 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. The Donkey Whisperer. And I'm joined here by my buoyant co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader. What is his is yours, and what is yours, he's probably already had. Amen. Dove the corner because of all the traders he's turned inside out. I am talking about the proper villain, JJ. How's it going? Hey, Ray. Good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Our guest today had a legendary 15-year career on Wall Street. Our guest is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Buy Side. He's consulted on the hit Showtime series, Billions. He's been a journalist for CNBC, public speaker, and has ghostwritten for several projects. A man who's watched Sex in the City from the pilot to the series finale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Cleveland D, a.k.a. Attorney Duff. Attorney, Hello. How are you? Uh, Love that intro. I'm doing good. <laughs> I appreciate you coming back on, our, our first two-time guest. Just, I, just for the record, though, Having yeah. information, you know, having Edge in 2002 at the bar, if yeah. you knew what happened to Carrie on Sex and the City last week, that actually worked to your advantage. So um, there was a reason why I was watching Sex and the City. Oh, no, I'm, I'm all for it, Tony. Like, after you, after we spoke in, I learned uh, that was the reason why you're watching Sex and the City. I, like, immediately started to figure out, okay, what's the popular female show right now? Like, I'm going to get on it. But it's different nowadays. There's so many different streaming apps oh, and man. services. It's too much. I just don't know if there's a consensus. You know, I, I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so, no, I, I always love that. Have you, I, watched, have you watched Cobra Kai? I haven't. That's, that's on Netflix, right? It's new. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good? I mean, if you like the movie um, Karate Kid, it's, it's probably worth watching. Is it good? I don't know if I'd... I don't know. It's like fast food, right? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. it tastes good going down, but it's not really good for you. Right, right, right. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's funny, Tony. I always, and I really believe in this point, and I try and tell people this, like, so, like, the, just the way how you approached uh, just watching Sex in the City, but there was a reason behind it, right? <laughs> it's like that, that you, we don't turn off that, that type of thinking. It's, it's like, that's how you see edges. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it doesn't, right. It, it, it's a way of life. It's like the people think they could just turn it on when it comes to trading. It's like, if you're sloppy in your regular life, you're probably sloppy when it comes to trading. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a way of life. But anyway, Tarney, since- Well, it's I, also, I'm, sorry, sorry to cut you yeah. off, but um, I'm actually, I'm not sorry, but um, to cut you off, I, um, you know, when young kids you know, entering the workforce, like, are interviewing, and I tell them, I'm like, dude, I'm like, everyone says they read the Wall Street Journal. Everyone, like, knows that they're, I'm like, I'm like, have something to talk about that is nothing to do with Wall Street or nothing to do with trading. Yeah. Like, have a personality and have some depth. That's who they want to sit next to for 12 hours a day. So it's like, be yeah. a person. You know? Right, right, right. I mean, how much do you, you get a lot of people, Tony, that uh, like new newcomers or people looking for jobs on Wall Street, they come, they, they ask you for advice and stuff like that? I, I did more like the first, let's say, few years after the book came out. Uh, and when I was very active at CNBC and, and blogging, I would get a lot of people reaching out to me. But like right before the um, pandemic, I was booked to speak to um, University of California, Long Beach was doing a, uh, like a, a weekend symposium for their business students and, and grads, uh, business students. And so like the, the speaking engagements that I get sometimes are for people entering the workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I speak to people. Um, I, I would say that's probably my best demographic because I'm a B student from Ohio university and I found a way to, to kind of make it on wall street. And I also, you know, blaze quite a trail on, on how to, how to fuck it up. So I'm a pretty good resource on how to get to the top and how to get to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, and I always like talking uh, and asking different guests about the, I guess the cultural or at least perceived or what people think is like a cultural shift and kind of how, what it was like during your day to what it is now. What, what's your, uh, what's your take on that? Um, it, I mean, just the biggest difference, because I still have a lot of friends in the business and, and I, you know, from when I was working on billions, you know, I, I've got my pulse on, you know, kind of the industry a little bit. Um, 
it's much more sterile. Um, I guess the easiest way to the, a lot of the fun has been sucked out, you know, mm-hmm. which is good and bad, right? I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. good for the business to be more efficient, um, and and people are there to to work, um, but. You know, the play aspect was was a lot of fun, as JJ can tell you, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I um, – with – and I don't know if this is a fair comparison, Tony, and I guess you could tell me. Uh, like, 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 so what they show on Billions, for example, do, do you think there's uh, – like, so you have uh, Bobby Axelrod versus Taylor, right? You have maybe like an old school – more of an old school approach versus like a new, you know, quant approach is that like something that's actually uh, you think causes division within like industry nowadays um i i do you know it's very personal like people people take things personal um my own experience on that um i left galleon with the healthcare team and we started a hedge fund called argus right and my my former boss uh or one of them was this guy gary rosenbach he called every single sales trader on Wall Street uh, that, that covered Galleon. And he said, if you talk to Turney, you can't cover Galleon. And at the time, Galleon was a $5 billion hedge fund. So it's like, are you going to go with, you know, a startup hedge fund or someone who's got $5 billion under under management? Mm-hmm. And so he basically was trying to fuck me. Um, what he didn't account for was I had to go out and make relationships at every other firm uh, and I still had those old Galleon relationships. And so, like, in a matter of months, I knew twice the amount of people on Wall Street. And it ended up being a great thing for me. But uh, when people have an opportunity to screw an old nemesis, they'll do it. And there, I had instances where I would get shut out on, on a healthcare deal. And it didn't make didn't make any sense. It would be like a, it was an overnight pricing. They're going to price, like, 2 million shares of MDRX. Uh, like maybe a dollar fifty in a hole. I put in for the whole deal. I get called back saying I was shut out. I talk about this in my book, and it turns out the Galleon like flexed their muscles and said, "You better not give it any Argus." So that does happen. Um, to the extent that they play it up on billions, no, because you don't really know what the other person's doing. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I find it curious because I mean, you we, you see it in uh, I guess probably all facets facets of life all arenas is, you know, you have people who want to like, you know, do the way the things have always been done. And then you have like the new generation wants to come in and do it differently. And so I assume that's, you know, going on as well. So attorney, um, it's been a crazy year since the last time we, <laughs> you. Uh, what's it been like uh, for you personally? Um, it's been, it's been okay. I, uh, you know, cause I have a 14 year old daughter. Um, and so the, when, when we first kind of went into lockdown, you know, I had some uh, remote schooling stuff that I had to deal with um, yeah. more than normal. But uh, my my life hasn't changed that much um, other than I, I was uh, in the process of pitching a TV show right as, right as the shutdown happened, which that kind of blew everything up. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, it's just been kind of like a grind day to day. Um, as far as markets are concerned like you know it's i i advised a few people and and when it was time to buy i told them only to buy like 25 percent. i just thought it was too too risky uh and so i i missed a lot of the move up um and one thing which and i don't know if this is true or not but uh, i read an article once that wall street loves you know 32 to 28 year old males who are not married and the reason is, the less risk you have personally in your life, the, the, the kind of like the hardcore trader you are, right? I'm 50 years old. I have a daughter who's three years away from college. I'm not, you know, I'm not as risky as I used to be. Um, so, um, but I've, I've been following the markets a little bit. Um, and I've just, you know, one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense with the demographic, at least from a theoretical standpoint. I would think that would be true. Um, all right, so well, if, you're, if you're if you're 38 and just have a baby, do you really want to lose your job? No, no, absolutely not. No, of course. Right. No, of course not. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't, yeah, of course. It's uh, you don't have nothing to lose. 
Right, let's go. Load it up. Right, right. And what other what other business can you start a hedge fund, blow yourself up, and lose a billion dollars, and then basically shut down for nine months and then reopen? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. What a business. What a business. God damn. Yeah. So just a reminder to the listeners: if you guys want to learn market auction theory, market profile, trade futures, trade equities, join JJ and I at the lovely trading community microefutures.com. Attorney, when you see, you know, like an event like a pandemic, an anomaly, uh, do, do you ever kind of uh, like, like that old uh, mind kicking, that old trainer, trader, like you miss the action sometimes or is that, hey, that's in the no, past? No, I mean, I definitely, I definitely miss the action sometimes. Um, I don't know if I have the wherewithal to be, you know, to doing it the day to day. Yeah. But no, 100%. But I'm also reminded of, you know, how humbled I can be, right? So I couldn't have been more right in 2008, right? And if you read my book, like, you'll see, like, I, I nailed it. I literally nailed it. And, and guess what my fund was up in 2008? 10%, right? Mm-hmm. And I was hell-bent that I was still right in 2009. I didn't get carried out, but, like, it wasn't a great year. And, and, you know, the market was, was pretty much going straight up since March. And so this time around, I don't, I wouldn't have been able to jump back in when, when I should have, um, you know, is this market is, is it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, um, we don't, hey, I have one, wait, I'm sorry. This just totally popped in my head and maybe you can answer how you want. Dave, what's his name? Portnoy, Portnoy. Are you a buyer or a seller? Uh, of him? Yeah. Uh, my my opinion on him, I, I think it's he's more of like a showman, right? That that's my I'm take. A, I'm not a fan. You're not a fan? Yeah. I, I I don't I don't uh, I'm like <laughs> I, I'm ambivalent. Take I guess. a side, be a trader, take a side. <laughs> I think okay, I'll say this. No, 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 no. I guess I was trying to formulate how I wanted to say it. I think. I think what what is good, I think he is bringing in a lot of like new people into like, okay, so me thinking as a trader, right? He's bringing in a lot of people into the market that have no idea what they're doing. So, <laughs> right. I think that's good, and everyone wants to come in and like attack him. It's like, uh, like I, I made an analogy, right? Like you don't tell the fish he's a fish at the poker table. Right, right. Let, let him keep uh, doing that. Let him bring in some fresh new money into the market. <laughs> it's food. Yeah, he's bringing yeah. Him food. That's 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 why I hear you. Yeah, All right, I mean, <laughs> but I don't think he's as like uh, dumb at or have, I think he's just he's playing it up. Like he's just being right. showman about it. That's right. my opinion. I don't know. What do you think, Jay? All right, I like your answer. I, I honestly, I, I love guys like this because what they are, they're like fishermen. They just keep bringing us food. <laughs> you know, because yeah. I, for me, I mean, now I'm teaching retail traders how not to be food. But, you right, know, for right. me, before I was like, oh, dollar volume. When I look at a deal, I go, oh, it traded $300 million worth of paper. I could have been 30% of that and, you know, sold, you know, 30% into that volume and they wouldn't have even known right. I'm there. Okay, well, like, how about this? <laughs> how do you feel about um, an app like Robinhood that will let like a 17-year-old over leverage and then commit suicide? Uh, dude, I, I think... Man, that 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 was a horrible story. And I've up, had right? I've had you know my last friend who committed suicide was a market maker, and that was 2017. Wow! So I've had 12 buddies uh, take their own lives in this. Oh period. my god! I'm so yeah, we were, you know, one of them we were doing a short squeeze. The SEC halted the stock. He had everybody in it. Put a gun to his head. Oh. oh. So you know, I I've been through this, and it's just. You know, this is the thing about this market, man. People, you know, it looks so easy. It's like shopping on Amazon, click, click, click. But there is a cost. Right, you know? right. This market, it's, you know, and I don't mean to scare people away, but when you're putting money on the line and, and you're messing around and you don't know what you're doing, and they, they, do, they do let people play yeah, a little yeah. too much, you know, without knowing the risks. And in the old days, you know, when you called your broker to make a trade, he'd be like, you know, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> right? You don't have that checks and balances anymore. Right. right? No, you're you you're so right. Well, you the, know, there's, you know. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Because I started off at Morgan Stanley PCS. So there was like, you know, high-end retail. And, and you're so right. Like, they sometimes would get talked out of things because it was just not smart. 
Um, yeah. But going like, sorry, like bringing this like in a sort of slightly different direction, but no, that's cool. Um, so I've struggled with mental illness um, for a good portion of my adult life. And uh, in, in the sweet spot, I, um, I was diagnosed with something called dysimium, which is a low level, like low grade depression. Mm. And so nothing excited me. I lost the ability to get natural highs. And why that made me, you know, a good trader is because I could lose a million dollars is like, yeah. or I could make a million dollars. I'd be like, like, and I was able to keep that even deal um, yeah. because of mental illness, you know, not because I had some superpower. No, yeah. no, it's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, I, I feel horrible about that kid. It, you know, it's, um, it, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, and I, every, every, every person I think who's worked in our industry, especially when they've gone through hard times, they've, they've all had that moment. You know, and it's that from from Wall Street, and it sounded cheesy as hell in the '80s. But when you stare into the abyss, and nothing stares back at you, right? Yeah, yeah. You know that that's we've all had those moments. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's it's it really it really. It, I can't even imagine being like 17. You know? Like, yeah. I, was, I mean, I, I was even... 32, and I was like, oh my god, if this yeah. stock doesn't correct, I've lost my job. Yeah, I mean, when we were 17, you know, it was the 80s. It was carefree, you know. Right. <laughs> we were, you know, thinking about girls in REO Speedwagon, right? Totally. <laughs> well, I, I think, yeah. I mean, I th just think this discussion, I think it's a good point just to bring up. Like, I mean, if people, you know, listening, I'm assuming you want to trade, get into trading, you are trading. Okay. Uh, just take the mental side of this game, like, really serious because it isn't a joke. Like, this will toy with your emotions, um, in both ways. And then turning, I mean, we, and we've talked about this plenty of times, probably the worst thing for these, uh, quote unquote, Robin hood traders, these new traders was yeah, that, right. uh, they won right away. Uh, I mean, the market, oh, yeah. you could just close your eyes, go long. You've been making money these past few months. Right. And so it, it creates that perception. They know what they're doing. Oh, it's easy. And like, that's totally. no, the worst thing yeah. for people. No, that's it. That's it. That's a, that's a great point. That's like, that's just going to make it worse. Yeah. It's just going to make it worse. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember, so, so I have a buddy who, uh, I should maybe get him to come on. He, um, financial planner, but he also is a professional blackjack counter. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he wrote a book called, uh, the blackjack life, Nathaniel Tilton. And, you know, I'm, I'm really good friends with him. I'm talking to him a lot. And literally as a you know, blackjack counter, it's really, it's just discipline. If you can be disciplined, you can make money in doing it, right? And it's kind of like trading. If if you if you're doing the right things and you're disciplined and you and and you continue to, you know, work that discipline, you'll probably be successful. Absolutely. You definitely won't get you know carried out in a, in a body bag, um, but it's it's kind of the same thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, shout out to one of our former podcast guests, Michael Noss, and he he he's like a big. Uh, proponent of this he's like win rate doesn't matter win rate doesn't matter like as far as like your trades go right because if, you, if you're exercising good trade management just win more on your winning trades than you lose on your losers right. you, you could be like a 25 percent winner and still be profitable you know it's it, right. it, not to simplify things but that, that'll clean up a lot of your problems just right having discipline. i don't know i don't know if i shared this with you last time but so when i was at argus i had 30 million dollars um just to play with on my on my own right and so um, I was killing it, like just knocking the cover off the ball. And my PM and the uh, two head analysts pulled me into a conference room. And they're like, look, they're like, you know, we, we want you to keep trading, but uh, we want you to only trade names that aren't in the portfolio. And I was like, why? And they're like, because you're just picking the winners. And I was like, isn't that a good skill set? Like, <laughs> isn't that, yeah. I, I can look at our portfolio and say, Yes, yes, no. Like so, I was basically, you know, putting yeah. putting more money on our good bets and just killing it. Right. And they got pissed. Like they're like, you're you're only picking the winners. I'm like, well, yeah, no <laughs> shit, yeah, no, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, turning. Yeah. I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you because like this this uh, this current climate we're in, it, and I'm not I'm. When I'm saying this, I'm not getting like I don't talk politics on the podcast, and I'm like not going to yeah. today. Start today, yeah. but you know, just as an observation, uh, this current administration, and I think probably others would concur, they seem very uh, apt to want to pump the stock market. 
right? Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> it's fucking smoke and mirrors. And, and as a hedge fund <laughs> trader, the, I would imagine these guys like this. I mean, what, what, as someone who was a hedge fund guy, tell me, what, what's the perception? I, I mean, to me, look, and again, we won't, I'll try not to make this political, but like, um, okay, so, so we had a good economy, right? Mm-hmm. Going into obviously a pretty, pretty good economy. And, and you're going to cut taxes and then you're going to, you know, basically get your own way and, and lower rates and you're going to deregulate everything and you're cheering, right? It's like, like, no, like you save it for a rainy day, right? Like if, you, if you've got a strong economy, you don't need to be juicing it. Um, and the thing that I, I get frustrated with is like people, people cheer like, you know, oh, he got rid of regulations, right? I'm like, okay, well, smoking on an airplane, that's due to regulation. <laughs> right? So blindly cheering, getting rid of regulation is, is it's not smart. Um, so yeah, I'm a little nervous. I mean, it, 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 it seems like it's puffed up. And this is the thing though, like if you're currently in the market, you kind of have to stay in the market, right? Like I, I would rather, you know, sell my portfolio down 5% and then, you know, there's a chance there's another 10 or 15, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I'm okay being wrong for a couple of days. Um, But the the problem will be is if some, for some reason we gap down, you know, because we're in a civil war or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't say that. Don't say that. I'm in Canada. Wait, is there any, if JJ, if you and I get married, can I be Canadian? (laughs) (laughs) Man, I don't know why everyone's so angry down there. Everybody just needs to hug it out, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. We need something. Yeah, man. All right. Well, well uh, you know, Tony, we, 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 we want to bring you back on. You know, people love hearing, um, you know, how institutions, how hedge fund traders think, behave, uh, you know, because as retail traders, you know, ourselves, we're at a sizable disadvantage, you know, in the market. So, you know, knowing how the – how uh, players that move markets think and behave is, you know, valuable to us. JJ, I know you, uh, you got some questions for him. Yeah. I mean, our room that we, you know, we were, we're, you know, teaching people and I'm always telling them, you know, fund managers, they, they have, you know, like last year at Christmas time, the market kept going up higher and higher. And I'm like, well, you know, these, these fast money guys, they're moving it up. Their bonuses depend on, you know, what, what their numbers look like at the end of the year. Right. And they were like, really? You know, I'm like, yeah, you got to read the buy side, right? <laughs> it tells you, yeah. right? I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, you know, salacious stuff in there, but he also tells you what's going on and how, how he's thinking and, and what he has to do to survive in, in, in the chair that he's sitting in. Right. So, you know, that, all of that, the motivations um, that create yeah. the agenda, that create the order flow. Right. Um, yeah, that that's that's the whole thing. I, I try and get across to people, and it's what, great that we have access to guys like what, you. What's great for the people who are in your community is being in a community, right? Yeah. Like that is it's 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 so important um, to have people either to bounce stuff off of, or mm-hmm. and, and I don't care who you are, like you don't all have the same skill set, right? Exactly. So like. I need a guy who can read charts. I can't. It was, you know, 10th on my list of, <laughs> of importance, but yeah. I wanted to know sometimes, right? Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was able to use other people's skill set within my own hedge fund. But with your community, you build your own sort of, you know, people that you talk to every day. Uh, I think I think it's so important. And, and I don't know if we talked about this last time, but um, and I don't know if I mentioned it in the book, um, one of the things I used to do is I would take a little uh, post-it note when I would go around and um, talk to my analysts, like on a, on a quiet Friday mm-hmm. and I would get their sort of unemotional, you know. Yeah. Input. I love it. it. That was in the yeah. book. Yeah. You put that in the okay. book. Yeah. So yeah. So they would basically be like, Oh man, if, if Apple ever gets to this level, I'll back up the truck. Like, yeah. you know, some 28 year old is 180 <laughs> pounds puffing out his chest. I was like, okay. <laughs> And then three weeks later, you know, it hits that level. I'm like, what's up, dude? Are we buying 200 and 300? And you'd be like, whoa, um, oh. I'm like, you, like, has anything changed? He's like, no, but I'm like, then we're buying it. Like, yeah. you know, like, if you can take emotion out of it, 
you know, you still got to do your homework and, and check the boxes and make sure if something yeah. fundamentally has changed, don't buy it, you know. But if it's down because it, it's been a rough day in the market and it's a level that you have identified as wanting to own it. And this is the other thing. Sorry if I'm talking too much, but no, no, this is perfect. Keep going. But this is this is my attitude. <clears throat> Every single morning you walk in, all of those stocks in your portfolio, you are legitimately saying, "I buy this stock at this level." You're every single morning, you know, even though it's sort of um, metaphorically, you are buying every stock that is in your portfolio because you're willing to own it at that price. So, like where you bought it. You know, all these other like, well, I, you know, I've, I've only owned it for this, whatever it is. It's like, it's literally like buying it for the first time, I think, every single morning. And and that's how you kind of should approach it. If, if you know, I'm sorry. So I'm No, that's perfect because I use that sticky note story all the time when markets sell off. They're like, well, why would they buy it here? Well, because this is an area that their analyst told them to. And that's the, you know, they've looked right. at the order flow around that area. They know that there's no blocks coming out to hit them in the head, you know, and, you know, they're going to stand in there. I'm like, Turney used to take a sticky note and put it on his monitor. Right, right. Like, oh, okay. Right. So it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's wonderful to, to see how you right. guys. Well, the other thing, which, and I, so do most of you, most of the people you, you guys are talking to, do they, do they hold positions or is it like, much faster is it it's like most mostly day trading but there are okay. swings yeah because i was just gonna say like i i used to see you know some people you know their their favorite name would let's say get downgraded over lehman lehman's no longer but <laughs> and the stock would be down two points they would try to sell it you know because they thought it was going down four points but i'm like it's your favorite name yeah. you should be jumping up and down saying i get to buy more yeah right. um you know, so it's like don't lose sight of, of 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 what you're really trying to accomplish. Right. No, I th and I think that's a that's a, a good point, Tony, because I think that even applies to day trading too. So even you just take that same concept and you put it on a, on a smaller time frame, right? Because people will go in with a thesis, it starts going against them right away. They get shaky. Oh, boom, out. When you didn't right. let you didn't let it develop. Actually, right. you got to talk about keep your emotions in check, stick to the plan, let it go. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, that's, that's very true. So, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, you guys are the other time frame. the people who buy and hold for a while, you know, they initiate positions at certain levels and things like that. Now we're always trying to tell people, you know, okay, this is initiative buying, or this is just, you know, short covering, um, that sort of thing. So I just wanted to get into, um, like, talk a little bit about the healthcare mafia and how did, how did, how did you just naturally end up? Did you just, were these guys that you had gone to school with or past jobs or? No, no it, it, um, well, the healthcare mafia kind of, I guess, I mean, I was the ringleader, so I guess it developed <laughs> because of me, but, um, healthcare was that kind of industry where you better know the story, right? Like it's not like trading IBM or, you know, Netflix or whatever, like, with, with healthcare, you, you kind of need to know the story. And so I started developing people, you know, relationships with people who knew what they were talking about. And the sell side was, was okay. But what I found was that it was the other buy side traders who really kind of knew, um, you know, the same thing that I did, uh, but just different stocks. And so, uh, and I teach my daughter this now, <clears throat> um, you know, we live in a favor economy, right? So, yep. Uh, what is the best way for me to get people to do me a favor is by me doing them a favor first. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I, and, and I talk about this in some of my, in some of my speeches, I also believe in um, put a, put getting fucked into the budget, right? If you put getting fucked into the budget, that will allow you to operate freely um, knowing that some people are going to screw you. Right. So yeah. I would go out and I would try to help other people and I would try to help them make money. The guys who just took all day, I stopped calling them. I stopped mm -hmm. helping them. Right. Yeah. But it was the guys who reciprocated and helped me that we all of a sudden started to build something, you know, that was, was worthy. And so, um, it was, yeah, it was just a matter. It was, and it took, it took years. Right. Um, but over time, you know, I kind of had, you know, six, seven, seven people who all were in, in, in the healthcare industry 
we all kind of had our own little specialty. Like one guy could tell me, you know, what was going to be on the cover of Barron's the next day. And, mm. you know, I, I knew another guy who like kind of had an in at the FDA and, um, yep. and so just the tentacles kind of, you know, went yeah. far and wide. And then, you know, if we were up against, let's say, um, a Fidelity or a Wellington who just, you know, had a zillion, you know, shares to buy, uh, we, we could be much quicker and collectively we could, we could move a stock. Right. So yeah. there were times where we knew, you know, let's say Fidelity was choking on, let's say Express Scripts, uh, ESRX. Um, you know, a few of us would get in there on, on our machines and, and start, you know, kind of fucking with the price and, and just, <laughs> you know, fucking make them sweat it out. And, and, then, and then they'd choke and, and then <laughs> stock goes down and then we buy all we can. And, you know, yeah. Thank you. It's fun. Yeah. See, thank you. I'm, I'm telling these guys, this is what these guys do. Right. They, they, those are just, you know, those are like, you know, business practices. Right. And it's yeah, good. Well, for people I, to I remember I was, I was talking to the guys from billions and we were working on a scene and they're like, they're like, well, what should he say here? And I said, Oh, just, just, you know, buy it ugly. And they're like, what? I'm like, buy it ugly. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, like, you know, I, I just assume everyone knows what it means. But basically yeah. I'm telling the guy, get the stock as high as you can. I, I want a shitty execution price, yeah. you know, and I don't know, but like, yeah, we would do that if, if we wanted to close at a certain price someday. So yeah, there is manipulation going on all day, every day. So sometimes when a stock moves some a certain, you know, um, place and everyone around the streets going around be like, why is, you know, X, Y, Z trading here? Sometimes the answer really is, I don't know, no reason yeah. because Someone's doing something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the, the other thing is, I know this because when I used to take companies public, we'd always have a couple of fund managers and we'd sell them some of our li liquid stuff so they could mark it up at the end of the month if they had a bad month, right? Right, right. Oh, yeah. You know? And people are like, what? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, you, you got to have some window dressing, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I remember the end of 2008. Eight. I mean, I did this all the time and, and, and talked about it at the buy side, but we were long, um, I think it was 2008, but we were long something ridiculous, like, you know, something like 10 million shares of Blockbuster, like embarrassing now, you know, <laughs> Netflix, but, you know, and it was, it was like $3. So it really wasn't that yeah. big or bad. Uh -huh. But on the last day of the year, I, I was able to get it up a dollar. In the last three minutes, <laughs> I made ten million dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, and it counted on our PNL for the yeah. For the, so yeah, that's great. That's always I wonderful. miss Blockbuster. Well, because we see this because uh, he, you know, attorney JJ like points this out like you know like live like while we're trading and stuff, and he'll like at the end of the month, right, Jay? Like you'll be like, oh, they're gonna mark this shit up, you know? Watch, <laughs> right? Not time and time again, right? Because it's like you said, we're assuming they're just you know, hey, just trying to make the books look good or whatever, right? Well, yeah, especially like uh, I don't know if it still happens like this, but like I know hedge funds used to sometimes it would be monthly, but usually it was a quarterly letter, right? And there are certain names you better have it in the portfolio, like because of whatever happened the last three months. And so there were times like sometimes we were buying stuff up at the end of the quarter just so we could, you know, tout the position in our, in our quarterly letter, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So. yeah just, um, and, and actually one thing that these, that people never really talk about, now I'm not sure where you were when it, when you were at Argus, you probably, did, you know, probably spoke to clients more than when you were at Galleon. Um, yeah. You mean investors? Investors. Yeah. yeah. You know, tell us a little bit about what investors in a hedge fund are like and what they're like to deal with. So people kind of get, a I clue. mean, it, it, it runs the gamut, right? Um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because like sometimes, you know, like some 28 year old would walk in and it was like low man on the totem pole was in charge for, you know, allocating money. Like, mm -hmm. and then other times it was the, you know, the 60 year old crusty white dude. Um, but you know, it, it was, a, you know, it was kind of a, a dog and pony show and like, oh, here's Turney, our 
head trader and, and whatnot. But um, like many things, I kind of felt like 95% of them didn't really know shit. You, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, they just had access to a lot of money mm-hmm. um, and, and it's constantly changing. So they were, I was for, for the majority of my career, I was at a sectorized hedge fund, a billion dollar hedge fund. But, you know, there was a time where people wanted, you know, all these guys only focus on healthcare. I want to, you know, let's give them 50 million and then, you know, we'll, we'll spread it around across the street. And then it kind of shifted to why, why, why do that? Why I'd rather just be at, you know, some macro, you know, hedge fund. And um, so that's constantly changing uh, what they want and kind of like how you, um, I don't know. Am, am I getting off track? No, no. I just, yeah, I want, I wanted people cause I, I've got, I always get people who want to trade prop who want to, you know, they're young guys and girls who want, you know, to be in this business. So they should kind of get a, an idea of what it's like dealing with OPM, other people's money. Right, right, um, right. You know, um, you down and- with OPM, <laughs> <laughs> you know, t- attorney, attorney, you know, dealing with people who, like you said, 95% of the time that they, they really don't know what's going on. Right. They're just giving you guys <laughs> money. I, I could assume like maybe sometimes that could cause uh, problems. Maybe they're impatient. Maybe it's like they're not given time for the. A, a, a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, right. And typically like just the way the world works is usually it's that smaller client who's anal who causes you 10 times the work as, <laughs> you know, the guy who's got a hundred million with you. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's actually a skill set um, dealing with, um, you know, your, your investors, right? And the idea is to get to a certain point where you can turn down money, right? Yeah. You, where you can say, I don't, I don't need your money. Um, and this is, and I don't, again, if, if I'm repeating myself, I apologize, but like, uh, I know this is retail investors, so it's not the exact same thing, but um, one of the best things you can do, let's say as a sales trader is, is turn down trades, right? And, and like mm-hmm. I tell the story where uh, this guy from Merrill Lynch, I call him up and said, hey man, I need to buy a million uh, Biogen. And he's like, all right, hold on, I'll call you back. And he calls me back, he's whispering. He's like, hey man, he's like, my biotech trader's out today and the backup sucks. He's like, go away. He hangs up and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, at the time I was paying six cents a share. And I'm like, he just he just literally turned down $60,000. Exactly. Like, that's my guy. Yeah, like, I trust him more than I trust anyone on the street. Yeah. And so when you look out for someone like that, that, that will last for years. Yeah. I found that too. I found that too, especially I'd be sitting at a deal table and you know, the guy's, you know, ready to write a check for $5 million and I'm, you know, he looks at me and I kind of like wince, you know, <laughs> and right. those guys have always become the best clients later on. Oh, know? totally. totally. You know? It's like, you save me that five sticks. Oh, wow. Thanks. You know? It's uh, <laughs> so it just shows, and and even if even if you're doing it as a con, like it still works, right? But like, if I think that you're looking out for my best interests, mm-hmm. that's all I need to know. Gotta ask really? in in your dealings now. I know you've seen the episode of Billions with Fraudy Anisman. Did you ever have to deal with a guy like that? <laughs> not, <laughs> not quite like that. No. Is that? Was that the um, the real sloppy uh, yeah. guy that – okay, yeah, when they had to go the, to him for money, right? Yeah, because okay. uh, okay. yeah, Vancouver was full of guys like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's – you know, I mean, it was a different era, but, yeah. um, you know, like when I was at Galleon and even when I was at Argus, it was like we could be picky. Yeah. You know what I mean? So – it didn't have to deal with too much bullshit, you know. Speaking of Galleon, now, Raj is Sri Lankan. I'm Sri Lankan, right? So what was he like to work for? Like, I know I know you read it in the book. Can you talk about it or is yeah, it? Yeah, I can totally yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Um, he was a giggler, you know, like, and then the way I described it was, um, you know, when he would walk in, it was like the homecoming queen and people were dropping you know, rose petals in front of his feet. Um, he was so sinister that 
he would he would smile and laugh at you right before you know slitting your throat you know like he was so charming and so like you know nice and then he would just stab you in the eye so um but yeah he he was slick let me just put it that way very slick I always wondered because you know there's not many many Sri Lankan fund managers around, so they were always this curious. Is, this is the thing, though. Like, if he didn't cheat so egregiously, yeah. he, he still would have been one of the best. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was sharp. Yeah, he would have been one of the best. He didn't need to cheat. Yeah, he didn't need to. Yeah. Wow. He he, Turney, he he recently got uh, released, correct? Yeah, yeah. Right. How long? How long did he do? <laughs> what he did, like a decade or so? Um. Or so. Ironically, he was sentenced. Um, this is kind of a, not a funny story, but um, I I went down to um, Occupy Wall Street in like I don't know maybe October of 2011, and I went down there and I kind of <laughs> wore disguise because I was afraid like Wall Street people would see because <laughs> I wasn't going to like be I wasn't going there to be part of it. I was going to like check it out and see what. And, and I had written like half of my memoir at that point. And I'm sitting there and I'm at Occupy Wall Street in disguise. And I get a text on my, on my Blackberry because I hadn't gone to uh, iPhone yet. And it says, Raj Rajaratnam sentenced to the largest sentencing in the history of Wall Street. And I'm looking at Occupy Wall Street and I'm looking at this text. And Paradigm, who was my first agent, like told me that I had to finish the book in order to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this text. I'm looking at these people marching. And I'm like, if today is not the best day to sell my book, like when, you know, so I literally, I, I got in a cab, went home, called Paradigm, said, I'm done, called this other woman and said, I want to go with you. And two weeks later, I'd sold my book. And um, the day my book was announced was the day that he actually had to show up oh, um, wow. to prison. So he, he went in, in like the first week of December, of 11 and I believe he got out maybe in 18. Yeah. Uh, he's read your book, you think? I have no idea. I bet you he has, I bet you he has. I mean, what else is he gonna do, right? Right, right, exactly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> although from what I heard, I know one guy who didn't go up uh, to visit him a lot. Um, and I heard he had quite the setup, like, you know, like Goodfellas type of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what comes think, with the money, right? Yeah, I think he 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 had a really good setup. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Like he I'm might sure. even have a butler. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not even joking. I'm serious. That's nuts. And I, yeah, I brought, yeah. That's nuts. Tony, how how long did the book take you from start to finish? Yeah. Um it actually took me, I would say about 9 months. Um, and that's, you know, working pretty much every day. Um, I had to write, uh, I wrote a shitty novel in the summer of 2010, uh, 2010. And so I don't think if I hadn't written that novel first, I wouldn't have been able to write the buy side at the level that I did. So I had to write a book in order to write a book. If that makes sense. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was about nine months. It was completely my, my job. Um, and, uh, I just, I, I did it every single day and, uh, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. Well, it came, it came out, it came out phenomenal. And like Jay was saying, um, what I think is so good about your book, like what he was saying is like, okay, read, he tells people, read the buy side. You'll, you'll understand more what head funds, large institutions. But with that, it's funny too. We get your life. So I, I love like both angles of it. Um, and, yeah, man, it was, it was a great, real, real enjoyable story. Um, uh, Jay, you still got some more questions or should I, uh, uh, no, just one, yeah. you know, uh, I'll let you go, but, uh, have you ever, because we used to do this all the time, you know, when, did you guys ever do pipes and convertibles on companies and did you short uh, the stock uh, down uh, before? A little bit, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I had a buddy who, uh, his name was Scott Cohen and he kind of, uh, he didn't invent pipes, but he was like the guy. Okay. Um, and so um, he he structured a lot of those deals, but I could only do healthcare. So it was, okay. you know, far and few yeah. between. But um, 
Yeah, I, we, I would definitely do some of that. But I actually have a question for you guys. So what is um, – oh, my God, now I'm drawing a blank. It's, it's almost like circumventing IPOs. It begins with an S. S-P-A-C or – Oh, yeah, SPAC. Uh, those, yeah. yeah, those SPAQ things. What, yeah. What's going on with those? I haven't. I don't, oh, do you man, know or no? They're basically like a fully funded shell, right? You get a bunch of investors, right? Now it's big money, right? And they I was going to say, vehicle. but it, it seems like really easy to, to scam. Or no? Well, it, well, no, these, because now they've got like, you know, the big boys, you know, like uh, fund managers now have one, right? Okay. It's, okay. Like, it's like wanting to do your own deal, but it like, like in my deal, like I've done like 200 reverse mergers, take a OTC shell or a NASDAQ shell and put a, you know, RTO, a company into it. Okay. So that's pretty much what they're doing. Gotcha. Just on a, gotcha. on a big scale. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. Um. Oh, so I was going to tell you the margin call story. Oh, yeah, the margin call story. So it's 2010. I just got out of my second rehab, and I'm living in this 6,000-square-foot house. It's going into foreclosure, half furnished because my girlfriend's gone, my daughter's gone, the pets are gone, and, and I got really no, no access to money. And so a friend of a friend calls me up and is like, hey, you know, this, the, this movie production is looking for a set for a big house. I was like, oh, perfect. I'm like, have them come to my house. And so they show up and they're like kind of doing a location scout and I'm going through and I'm giving them the tour. And by the end of it, they kind of know my whole life story. And so um, at the end, the woman was like, look, she's like, I don't think your house is right for, for a movie, but I have a friend who's doing this movie called Margin Call and doing, you know, working on props. And uh, you know, would you mind talking to her? I was like, yeah, no problem, whatever. So I call her up and, and we kind of go back and forth and I'm telling her every single thing that she needs um, in uh, for, for a trading desk scene. And so, and then at the end I said, look, I said, there's one thing that is really, really, really important. She's like, what's that? I'm like, you have to have hot sauce on <laughs> the trading desk. I'm like, literally every third desk needs hot sauce. She's like, why? I'm like, you put that shit on everything. I'm like, it has to be there. And so if you watch the movie Margin Call and any scene that has a trading scene, you can find a bottle of hot sauce. And then my favorite moment of the whole movie, right about the midpoint, uh, one of the younger analysts comes back with breakfast. Yep. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the head guy's like, hey. hey He's like, oh, yeah. And he reaches yeah. and throws him some, some hot sauce. And I'm like, that's all because of me. Yep. Great is 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 Wait, the, the the one you just show, uh, showed on camera uh, the Cholula is that your go to hot sauce? Yes, oh yes, it's it's everything. I you know I have a question. What do you, what do you like better, Margin Call or Big Short? Uh, I I'd have to say Big Short. Margin Call was okay. I, I don't know Demi Moore as a risk management officer. Just, <laughs> you know, I like, hear you, but they're you both know, great. They're both they're great. Good, they're both good movies. The best thing is when the guy calls up Deutsche and he goes, uh, they go Deutsche goes Will Emerson. He goes, fuck off, you limey prick. Click. <laughs> that, was, that was like one of the most accurate things because oh, I totally like totally. fuck off, JJ. Click. <laughs> they did. They did a them. They did a great job in that. Yeah. All right. All right. So now, so what I've been, I've been doing lately on the podcast journey, I've been doing some like rapid fire slash miscellaneous questions yeah. to get into. Um, Jay, anything else for attorney before I jump into this? No, no. Groove with it. Speed round. All right. Here we go. Uh, favorite billions set moment or just billions moment in general. Fake fight. Fake fight. Dollar bill and axe. Fake fight. Yeah. How, how was that? You were there for the scene? Yeah. How was it? Yeah. Well, tell me about it. Phenomenal. It. It was, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it was just, you know, I worked with the writer who, who uh, wrote that episode and uh, I was like, yeah, if you, if you have a fake fight that will spread on Wall Street like that, then Dollar Bill can turn around and, and tell those people who left, you mm -hmm. know, some, some inside information that's wrong and <laughs> get them back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shout out to Dollar Bill. We had him on. Uh, great guy. Yeah, he, he cracked his rib, yeah? Um, yeah, boxing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah. he's a great guy. And, and, and Daniel, who you had on. Yeah. Shout out and, to both and of them. Him. Yeah. Shout out to both of them. They, they were uh, both really uh, nice, open guys. And that's what I get a vibe. Like you were saying beforehand, before the, we started, 
just just a different vibe they have there. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, as a Cleveland sports fan, <laughs> uh, there's been some rumors circulating about Odell Beckham Jr. Any thoughts? <laughs> and? Okay, I guess we'll move What's on. What's the question? <laughs> no, uh, any, any uh, thoughts on these alleged rumors? I mean, look, dude, we're all into, like, different things. So, like, <laughs> don't judge. Right. right. Um, you know, I mean, this, is, this isn't a fast answer, but um, when I was writing my book, there was a scene where I was with this, um, this escort, right? And so I called my friend Brian up, and I was like, yeah, hey, can you read this chapter? He's like, yeah, whatever. And he goes, he goes well, where did you find her? And I was like, well, I'm like, um, I'm like, well, I was on this website called Eros, and and, and like I, <laughs> I searched mature. And he goes, you have to put that in there, and I was like, hell no. I'm like, I don't want people knowing that. And he's like, you have to. And so like, I got the courage, and I put it in there. And at that point, I realized like, when you're writing a book, like, if you're honest, it'll show through. So, not that I'm into people shitting on me, like. Uh, <laughs> OBJ, no, I don't. I think it's, I, I think it's total bullshit. Um, I do, yeah, I, yeah, I, I highly doubt it. Yeah, yeah, I, I highly doubt it as well. Um, it, it's just, it, it's so funny, right? Uh, just him playing for the Browns. Uh, it's just <laughs> Cleveland Seamer. Yeah, a lot. I settled for a lot of funny jokes. Um, yeah, it's a funny moment. All right, while we're on the Browns topic, over under on their win total this year, eight and a half. Oh, over. They're gonna win ten. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. I, I like them for a bounce back year. I, I think a very talented roster. Offensive line's improved. They improved the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, they've got two of the best running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Uh, if, if they protect Baker Mayfield, I, it's, they're going to be tough to beat. I, I mean, it's really like the, the whole roster really talent up and down. Well, I mean, I, We also we, – we had a first-year coach last year, which just – He's wasn't terrible. running the right game no. plan for the, the players he had. So, yeah, I think we'll see this year. Uh, I, I was reading some, you know, we, like we were talking about uh, even before the podcast too, as far as like analytics and things of like that, I'm real into that. Right. As far as football wise, we're talking about with Baker, Baker excels off the play action. I think most quarterbacks actually do off the play action. And so yep. there's a lot of speculation. That's what the Browns are going to get back more to. Cause well, and, is more, and especially if, if Chubb is, Ripping eight, nine, ten yards of carry, like yeah. play action works even better. Oh, of course, of course. Do, do you? Um, you don't strike me as this, but do do you venture into any uh, gambling, uh, sports, casino things like I that? Did. I I did, and it was getting close to, um, my my love of cocaine and alcohol. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I kind of just I pulled back. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, books you're currently reading. Um, I just finished, um, it's a book called Sway. Uh, it comes out, uh, it came out Tuesday, but I just finished it. Um, it is the first book written by a child of a 9-11 survivor. So he was nine years old when his father died at Cannon Fitzgerald. Um, and then he ended up having some struggles with addiction, some family abuse, like really pretty fucked up story. Uh, he spent his entire life trying to figure out, did his dad jump? Did his dad die in the fight? Like, uh, so I wow. literally just finished that book, Sway, S-W-A-Y. Wow. It's great. Yeah, sounds like it. Wow, Sway. Okay. All right, Tony. Who was someone who complimented you on your book or writing that you were, like, really taken back by? Um, it was pretty cool to get a blurb from James Patterson, because I didn't really know it was coming. Uh, and so when, wow. when I found out that James Patterson read my book and liked it and blurbed it, it was it was pretty like, oh my God. Yeah, I bet, wow, that's, that's then, dope. Actually, this is another one which I don't know for sure, but about three years ago, four years ago, random, randomly one day, I got a notification on Twitter that Ryan Reynolds followed me. And I was like, that's weird. And so I was like, I better follow him back, right? Uh, so I'm guessing maybe he read my book. Like, why else would he follow me? Yeah, no, right? Yeah. That's I, I cool. I was That's... a bouncer in a, a nightclub that used to go to all the time in Vancouver. He's a nice kid. 
Who, Ryan? Yeah. Oh, he seems great. Seems very great. Nice. Yeah. Funny, funny guy. So he, he used to go to the club, Jay, that he used to bounce at? Yeah. All wow. the time. Wow. Didn't you say De Niro came through one time, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was an interesting place, right? Vancouver had a lot of, uh, you know, of those Hollywood types. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Is, it, is, is Seth Rogen from Vancouver? I think he is. I think he is. Yeah. He's definitely Canadian. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I've really been pushing him, Turney, to uh, – he's – He's writing a, a book of his own. He's got some interesting stories as well. So I'm pushing this man from, from his days as a bouncer. I got to finish it. I got to finish it. Yeah. You can call it the sell side. Attorney, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. any uh, projects you're working on that you can speak to? Um, I'm, I, I kind of in 2018 made more of a switch or an effort to do film and television. So – Okay. In the beginning of quarantine, um, I was hired to write a adaptation of a documentary that was in Sundance called The Mole. And it was about an 82-year-old who was hired to be a private investigator at a retirement home to investigate the alleged abuse and neglect of one of their patients. So I just handed that in, and they're, and they're looking for a director. Uh, I had a uh, TV show that we were pitching called Across the Aisle, which was basically... Um, a black public school teacher and a woman, a data scientist on Wall Street. Her name is Lenny. She's named after Lenny Dykstra. Her dad's a cop and NYPD. They ended up getting, um, having a whirlwind uh, date in 2016. They have sex. She goes to the bathroom and he's naked lying on the couch. Realizes he's sitting something, sitting on something. Puts his, puts his hand into in the couch cushion and pulls out a red hat that says make America great again. And so she comes out of the bathroom and he's like, what's this? She's like, my hat. It's like, you bought it? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, with money. So you get into this huge epic fight. And at the end of the pile, it turns out she's pregnant. So it's about a Trump supporter and a very liberal guy having to co-parent. Oh. So haven't sold that yet though. Um, and then I'm working on a new show right now that we're getting ready to pitch. Excellent, exciting, exciting. Do you... For projects you think of, or writing, or TV, whatever you're getting into, do you try and keep it uh, Wall Street, or like some tie into Wall Street, or are you trying to kind of get away from that now that this is like you know you kind of in a new career? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I try to get away away from it, but I'm not like I'm also not trying to make it my sole focus, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I'll try to find something about me in almost all the characters that, that I write, you know? So yeah. it's just easier to, uh, to kind of get it out there, you know, uh, when, when I know the characters better. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I think that probably, probably comes across better that way. I would imagine as well too. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, more real about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Absolutely. All right. And that's, that's it. That's, that's the rapid fire yeah. right there. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you for having me. Absolutely. That's yeah. That's gonna conclude today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. If you guys enjoyed the show, please rate and review it for us. If you guys want to learn market auction theory, market profile, trade futures, trade equities, join JJ and I at microefutures.com. Turney, tell the people where they can find you. Anything else you want them to know? Turneyduff.com. If they uh, want to look for more, I'm um, on Twitter. Facebook, uh, you name it, and uh, that's pretty much it. JJ, pardon words. Great having you back on the show, brother. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And I like the uh, – you're starting to look like Papa Hemingway there with the beard. <laughs> you know, you're settling Actually, right into it. It's you know beautiful. You know what, though? I got to tell you. I, so everyone's kind of growing a Corona beard. I've been shaving two or three times a week. So my normal look is, like, much more scruffier than this. And so, like – I love being Contra, and so like I've started to shave twice a week, <laughs> which is a lot for me. I'm due for one though. It, it seems like a, see. lot, a lot of uh, Contra. It seems like a lot of good traders are that way. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's right. Definitely. But, I think so. Yeah, attorney. I forgot to ask you that. Like during this whole pandemic, uh, and I guess kind of now that we're, I don't know if we're easing out of it or not. But uh, how how is it in New York? What what's it? Uh, how's the climate right now? Um. 
it's hard to find someone without a mask, which is great. Yeah. Um, people, people are following the rules. Uh, I think we're down to like something like 0.6%. Um, so the numbers are really solid. We, we had a really rough start. Um, but I would say we're, we're, we're in good shape. The problem is at least from, from my view, we're not out of the woods probably until next spring. Right. So if you take your foot off the gas, yeah, it can, it can get ugly quick. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, any, um, I guess like any thought, like, you know, I, I don't know, as just a, as being a speculator, you know, a trader, I always like to think about future events. I mean, like just a societal impact this could have, I mean, any like thoughts to that, like how long, you know, people could be wearing masks for a long time. I don't know, maybe uh, social distance. I don't know. Like, how do you, any idea or it's no one really knows. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. Um, like the, the initial trades probably, you know, had happened a long time ago. Um, it's, I think we need more dust to settle to kind of see, but there will 100% be some cultural shifts that, yeah. that we're not even kind of like thinking about right now. So I think the next six months, keep your eyes and ears open. And if you're noticing something different in your own personal life, you might be able to find a trade. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably not a day trade. It's probably yeah, something, right. you know, and even yeah. if it's, even if it's, Buy 50 shares and forget about it. You know, like right. you're allowed to do that. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff, Tarney. Thanks again. Listeners, go out. If you have not read his book, go out and get it. It's um, phenomenal all around. If you want to learn more about institutions, if you want just a great read, a great memoir, go pick it up. So for Cleveland D, I'm Paulie Walnuts. He's the gorilla of House Street. You stop so. Ha, ha, ha.